Can I go first? Yeah. Okay, because you kind of took my spotlight last weekend. Actually, yeah, I, that's not true. I had all the spotlight last weekend. You sure did, but I will. <laughs> I know. I think it really just added flair. It did. A little oomph. A little oomph. Flar. <laughs> little flar. Is that how you pronounce that? <laughs> Florence. Florence. Florence lights. Fluorescent lights. Look at you. Look at me. Hey, mom, I made it. Hey, mom, I made We sing a lot on this podcast. That's okay. That's a good thing. Sorry, Leon, I want you to be in. I Sorry, I want you to be in the video. I just want you to be here, Leon. I took him from the living room and Alice was like, mom, why can't he just skip this week? Sorry, Alice. He's a star of the show. Right? People come to see him. They come to see him. They don't come to see us. No, they don't care about us. How are you today? Um, it's been a rougher day for us today. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Alice is on the struggle bus, not in a, like, she won't cooperate with me. It's a, she wants friends and no one wants to play not no one wants to play with her it's a school night so she's yeah she wants to be distracted but she's welcome to come over anytime but you know yeah my kids are a lot younger than her we are on zoom this week we are because i've been exposed to the rona my corona no I'm not sick uh, though no they tested negative but to be yep. safe we're we're staying safe better so. be safe than sorry yeah and i don't like being sorry so me neither yeah me neither hate apologizing it's mm, done uh, <laughs> hey this is our podcast hey this is what's episode six <gasps> What's with the neighbors? What's with the neighbors? Oh my gosh. I didn't prepare a neighborhood story, but I think I got one right here on my phone. (laughs) Oh my. uh, So, this is our podcast What's with the Neighbor? True crime and paranormal. paranormal. With a dash of neighborhood drama. With a dash. We all need like a little, little razzle dazzle of neighborhood drama exactly it just it everyone loves drama no matter if you say you don't like drama you like drama don't 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 tell me you don't like drama so everyone likes other people's drama so i like other people's drama yeah exactly so as long as it's not mine yeah if it's my i don't even like dealing with my own drama i just kind of like brush it under the rug and just like whatever yeah we're just gonna pretend like this didn't happen exactly exactly yeah so how was your week this week uh, besides being quarantined my children are sick but luckily not with the rona um lots of fevers but it's been been an interesting week a lot of crying not from me <laughs> don't lie it was from you too <laughs> it's, it's me in the closet <laughs> <laughs> Oh. 
nothing's worse than being told you have to stay home and you can't leave with you your children you can't freaking like i'm already at this job 24 7 yeah like come on now and then, at least let me go to the store i want to go to the store <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm i would be okay if someone said you have to stay home for 20 you know for two weeks or whatever but if they told me that with my child which i've done many times <laughs> i'm like oh, dang it really like my kids are cool but oh yeah oh yeah but know, they're, they're not, not that cool yeah we just want a break sometimes like, and sometimes I, I, I like to be by myself sometimes well i mean even if you have to take them everywhere with you like that car ride like you turn on your podcast or you turn on music and you pretend like they're not in the car for that 10 minutes. Oh, Charlotte falls asleep whenever I turn on podcasts. Oh, it's so nice. It's blissful. It, blissful. I like that word. Yeah. It's blissful. Blissful. It's blissful. Fall asleep. It's blissful. Back to you, Brie. Back to me. I do look like a news reporter right now. I have a really great one. Go away. So this is from, ooh, I didn't realize this. This is from Alaskan biologist. Ooh. Yeah. So when I was 10 or so, an old lady was nasty to my brother and I for sitting on the curb. So we got the bright idea to have an estate sale for her. That is so mean. (laughs) We got up at like 4 a.m. on Saturday morning and put up homemade cardboard garage sale signs with her address on them. And early birds are welcome (gasps) in bold letters. We then sat on the curb a little down the street across from her house and watched people bang on the door for an hour or so. Oh my gosh. The best. That's so mean. The best part is we didn't put up a date or on the signs. So it didn't. So if she didn't find all the signs, presumably people would keep showing up every Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, but- <laughs> why didn't they take down the signs themselves? Well, that's, that was the whole prank was to not i I would have taken them down that is genius hilarious and a little over the top and dedication that is dedication absolutely waking up at four o'clock in the morning to prank somebody (laughs) for some i mean there's a lot of people i despise but i don't know this gives me so many ideas so many ideas for what brie i don't know for what brie I don't know, but I know I have to wake up really early tomorrow morning. Why? I don't know. For what, Brie? Brie, for what? I don't know, Amy. Brie, for what? I have some things that I have to do. Some very important things now added to my list, like making signs. For what, Brie? I don't know. What did you do whenever there was something found on the back of my car, Amy? I don't. I have cameras. I have cameras as well, which I didn't. I caught you guys like the corner of the camera caught you. But since we have a giant trailer in the yard, nope. Nope. Okay. Okay. Just be, just be prepared. Noted. 
Noted. You want to tell me a story? I, yep. I have a story prepared for you and, um, it's one of my shorter ones, but oh, it's, good because mine's 10 pages long. Oh, mine is five, but I still feel like it's a really long and heavy story because normally I put bullets in mine and that's why it makes it so long. It's not, there's no bullets at all. Okay. But I feel like it's going to be really heavy. So, okay. um, prepare yourself. Be prepared. Oh, we always sing this. Whatever. All right. So um, this week I wanted, last week I did a story about um, aliens. So I figured I'd do something else other than ghosts. And I did something um, still kind of ghosty, but it's um, possession. So yeah, it's it's a heavy one. Okay. Um, I... I had a hard time sleeping last night, so I'm so excited for this. I'm oh, so excited. I've to had a hard time sleeping listening to the audio of this, so because there's still audio out of this case. So it's a very famous case. It's actually what the movie Exorcism of Emily Rose is based on. So it was like I thought we put down guidelines. What 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 guidelines? Don't scare me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's fine. You know, I told you earlier how I don't like to break rules. That's not one that I'm, 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 I don't care if I break that one. It's fine. Yay. I'm so, it's nice to know you care about me. It's fine. It's fine. You keep you busy. I'm fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. So, um, this is about the exorcism of, um, Annalise Mikkel. Um, she was born in 1952 in a small German town um, of Klingenberg. Klingenberg. I'm probably going to butcher a lot of stuff in this, so it's German. Uh, Her family and friends described her as likable, bright, and very religious. Um, Her family brought her up a very strict, devout Catholic, and like she attended mass twice a week. Um, Super strict. Um, and she wanted to become a teacher one day, um, of like catechism. So she wanted to be like a Catholic teacher to teach like the rites and stuff like that. So good girl. Um, oh, I'm just gonna open it all up right now. Okay. So it all started in 1968. Uh, it was not long after she turned 16. Uh, she blacked out at school. Um, she said she had felt dazed. And everyone had said she was in like a trance-like state. What? Um, she didn't recall any of it. Um, that same night, she woke up feeling paralyzed and she was terrified and she lost control of her bladder. She felt like something was squeezing it. Ew. And so she wet the bed. Um, they kind of brushed that off. I don't know how you brush it off, but they kind of brushed it off. Um, oh, you're fine. Then, you just drank too much water. Yeah, this- it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's cool. It happened. Um, in 1969, she experienced a similar episode of, uh, which was temporarily blacking out and feeling the feeling of being paralyzed in her bed at night. Um, so at that point, her mother wanted to take her into the doctor and get her checked out. Um, so she was seen by her family doctor. Hello, Leon. <laughs> He's getting spooked. I miss him. I miss you, baby. He misses you, you too. Baby. Um, 
so mother, her mother took her to the doctor, had her checked out by the family doctor and also a neurologist where they did like an EEG and a brain scan um, and didn't see any abnormalities. Um, so they, and they said it was likely a seizure, but since they were so far apart, they didn't put on any meds, which is just typical. Like, okay. Yeah. I know someone who had a suspected seizure and everything looked fine. They looked like a perfectly healthy person and they didn't put any meds on them just because there had been no record of them or anything. Right. It could um, have been a, what is the grandma? Fevers. Yeah. Grandma. I think that's what it was. I, I believe that's what it, they said. It was like a grandma seizure. Yeah. Um, so um, not long after that, Annalise began to suffer from other health, health issues. Um, like uh, pleurisy, pneumonia, um, so bad that they um, had to hospitalize her in 1970 or January of 1970. Um, And from there, she was moved to a clinic that specialized in lung disease for like people her age. What the heck? I know. She was a sick sick little girl. Um, While in the clinic, she experienced another seizure or episode, um, which led her to be reevaluated and they placed her on anti-convulsant meds. Um, she told the doctor that she was having demonic visions while performing her daily prayer, as well as smelling an odor that she described as burning feces. What the? Ew! Yeah, I don't know how anyone knows what that smells like, but it's gross. I feel like some bird poop in here. <laughs> <laughs> Did somebody light a poop on fire? <laughs> Someone's been pranked before by the neighbor boys. <laughs> with a bag. Yeah, with a bag of poop. <laughs> it's poop again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what Billy Madison movie was that? Billy Madison. is Billy Madison. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she was so afraid um, that it made her not want to pray um, in fear that the demon would return. I would too. Um, and she began to wonder if she actually had a demon inside of her and contemplated contemplated suicide. So um, she was placed on medications for hallucinations and dark thoughts, which were commonly used for schizophrenia. Um, they blamed this all on her medical state. <clears throat> and in August, I know, I know it's, I say it's heavy because it's sad. It's really sad. It, the whole story is really sad. It's terrifying, but it's sad. Yeah. Um, in August of 1970, she returned home and she was not the same. She was depressed, withdrawn, and she was getting average grades in school when she was normally like really good in school. Right. Um, she began to hear knocking in her room as well as voices damning her to rotten hell. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. Um, she experienced a, another episode of blacking out and her body becoming rigid, which um, is what they typically narrowed down to a seizure. So um, the episodes became more frequent and she continued to see de- demonic faces and continued to smell the terrible odor. Um, there was one incident where uh, one night over dinner, her hands reportedly swelled up to a huge size. She said, I have black hands. My savior, forgive me. <clears throat> and around that time, she could see a devil-like face on the wall. And she described it as having seven 
crowns and seven horns. Oh, so, yeah. I'm I know. Chills. I know. I hate, I hate these that. kinds of things. Um, another incident that had happened was her mother caught her staring at a Virgin Mary statue that they had had in their home. And her eyes went very dark black and her hands looked like paws with claws. Yeah. That's what her mom said? Yeah. What? Yep. Um, nope. One day, Annalise nope. went to San Domino with a family friend on a Christian pilgrim- pilgrimage. Um, the family friend suspected that she was suffering from demonic possession because she was unable to walk past a crucifix and refused to drink the water from the Christian Holy Spring. Oh, no. Um, During this, she, Annalise had said she was unable to enter the shrine. And when she approached it, she said that her feet were burning like fire and she couldn't stand it. Um, And... Yeah, she started to develop an aversion for holy objects, so like crosses and whatnot, um, and quit going to church. She was hardly able to walk and began suffering episodes where her body contorted in unnatural ways. What the heck? Yeah. Um, the horrible burning feces smell got even worse and Ew. began to linger. Um, and they started to see that she was obviously not showing any improvement improvement from all the meds that she was on um so her parents and her feared that she was um possessed um so they wanted to seek help from the church and in autumn of 1973 father alt met and spoke with annalise um he approached the situation with lots of doubt saying she's baptized she she's not possessed um, but he heard her out. He was empathetic over her and all everything that he had heard and talked to her about. He was like, there's, there's evil surrounding this girl. Um, and so he wrote to the bishop because when I don't know if you know about Catholics and possession, but you have to get like permission to do like an exorcism and stuff. You have to write to like the bishop, the bishop's like, <sighs> I can't remember. I think he watches like the bishop is basically like the guy who's in charge of all the priests like in the area like oh yeah 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 like, districts yeah. kind of like I don't know. Um so he wrote to the bishop um requesting to perform an exorcism but he was denied. <clears throat> and it a he was denied because around this time the movie The Exorcist came out and so there were like a lot of false claims about being possessed so they were trying to lean more towards like medicine and like psychiatric and stuff like that yeah um so the bishop wanted her to seek um, further medical treatment um to see if there'd be anything that would help and uh between then father alt and a father roth were actually asked by her parents to come see her again and when they arrived, they found Annalise um, hysterical. Um, Father Alt mentally demanded, mentally demanded, um, and he said, uh, depart from her and say who you are. And so then Annalise then grabbed the rosary from her neck and destroyed it. And with he was just saying that in his head. Yeah. And with that happening, that's... Um, I guess that's like a really, really bad sign um, 
saying that the demon is could be very powerful because they're not supposed to be able to touch holy relics right so the fact that she touched the rosary means that something something was powerful in her oh my gosh um sorry trying to see where i'm at uh it was reported that annalise would go into fits and rages and she would attack curse and growl um again the awful stench was getting worse other people were definitely smelling it oh um, i know father alt wrote the bishop stangle again saying um that he was convinced that she was not this was not caused by her epilepsy um and to let them perform an exorcism so finally in 1975 the bishop wrote him back granting the permission to perform an exorcism but to do so in secret what year again was this um this one this part of it this was over the course of like from 1973 to like 1976 i want to say oh okay okay yeah it's over several years um okay she was 16 when it started and then she was and then 23 whenever it stopped jeez um so finally in 1975 you wrote back um said to do it in secret and he also wanted someone else to perform the exorcism and um father alt to kind of be there like as like a helper um the person who he picked father arnold Renz, hadn't even done exorcisms before which i don't i it didn't say if father alt had done them either um but exorcisms Did the bishop are so rare pick it or was it the- yeah Oh, yeah, he okay. basically assigned um, Father Arnold Rents to perform or be the leader of the exorcism. So, okay. um, I guess he had had he was really not knowledgeable in this subject. But I guess since they were so rare, it I guess it's hard to find someone who's like, oh yeah, I've done an exorcism. I'm, I'm a priest. Every priest is certified in exorcisms. <laughs> um, so. Uh, he said for them to perform the ritual Romanum of sixteen fourteen. You said that correctly. Like, probably, may, I. Sh- I hope I didn't. Um, <laughs> it was like um, the go-to Catholic um, exorcism, and okay. it's been around since sixteen fourteen. The, the one that they used. Um, it changed in like the nineties, I guess. Um, in 1975, the first of 67 exorcisms was performed. Holy crap. Um, 42 of them were recorded and some of them could take up to four hours long. She's that poor girl. Um, throughout the process, um, six demons revealed themselves. Um, the six oh, being, I, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's, it makes you feel dirty. <laughs> um, Judas, uh, Nero, Cain, Fleshman, Hitler, and Lucifer. Hitler. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know. Um, I know. You said Lucifer, but I'm more like. I know. I know. Well, according <laughs> according to. According to paranormal experts, um, these names didn't necessarily mean that they were the actual people. They could have just been like a scare tactic um, um, to put fear in her. Still don't like but it. But 
but the you'll there's like I don't think I even put it in here but there's points where like the demons you'll hear them like argue with each other and Mm -hmm. they say like Hitler is a pig head or (laughs) head or something like that and he doesn't have a place in hell and all this other stuff so I guess because he's like a big mouth and whatever I hate all of this (laughs) thank you um so um the fleshman guy isn't in the bible but after some searching and digging father alt found that the demon fleshman was actually a priest in the 16th century who'd done some very unpriestly things like murdering and cheating and bad bad things um um and to confirm to confirm this he spoke to this demon and details were of the priest's past were given to him that actually matched the documents that he found and Annalise would she wouldn't know that because it was in the 16th century like right um so um she called him the black one um Annalise would often speak in tongues and attacked family members with inhuman strength um she bucked around like a goat screaming uh, barked like a dog bit the head off of a dead bird oh and ate in sex and coal for a few days yeah um just wait this is the worst part and i'm so sorry if i make you gag i really am sorry because it grosses me out as well and i hate that i have to say it um she would often urinate on the floor and then lick it up and then she would also be found chewing on urine soaked panties (coughs) sorry it's okay i'm fine Okay, let me skip to the next part. It was also said that large masses of flies would suddenly gather and vanish into or vanish out of room. So like they appear and disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, the flies or the other thing? Both. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Um, she was covered in head to toe with bruises. Are you oh, good? Do you need yeah, to stop? I'm no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> I just had, I was drying my eyes. Okay. Are you crying? It's okay. I actually, yes, I actually for... teared up in this one. Oh, oh, the um, the bruise thing that's awful. Yeah, she was covered in the head to toe from with bruises, um, from being thrown around and knocked into walls by unseen forces, and many of her teeth were chipped. Oh, jeez. She would tell the priest, Father Rince and Alt, that she would see demons dancing in the room, mocking them. Um. But despite all of this, um, she continued to fight. She would genuflect like hundreds of times a day. Um, so much that she would like, sh- her kneecaps were broken and she would like Jeez. rip tendons. Um, so she was a fighter. So did she, so clearly she would be in like her right mind at some points. At points, yeah. But like, from what I read, it was the most the most like they would come out was during the exorcisms so right i mean that makes come out in between but like yeah and yeah that's sad jeez um 
one night, Annalise had a vision that the Virgin Mary came to see her and took a walk with her. Oh, um, okay. Mary had told her that <clears throat> uh, it pains her that so many souls are going to hell and that someone needs to make penance. Well, so it can't be her. Can't... She asked if Annalise would be that person. Let's let's pick someone else. Right? I know. And so she said um, if she had did this, she would give her three days of peace to decide and she would expel the demons from her. So regardless of her expelling the demons or not, Annalise still wanted to do it just because, I mean, she was very religious and she right. wanted, she believed that um, the Virgin Mary or Mary meant asked her to do something yeah Yeah. exactly so she wanted to do it for her and even though her parents didn't they didn't agree with it um which i wouldn't want that either right um so by the third day she'd made her decision and she was gonna do it um sorry on june 30th which was the third day Um, the demons seemed weak so the priest took advantage and performed the 67th and last exorcism they prepared for mother mary to come um, and take them away and they announced that the demons had to leave by order of mary Um, the demons cried out in pain and as uh, they cried out in pain as the um priest said the hail mary right and annalise let out a chilling scream as they ordered each demon out one by one um once finished the priests were convinced it had worked so annalise felt relieved and turned to her mother saying she was finally free and how wonderful it felt oh god (sighs) so not long after all six demons were or not long after all six demons returned um, saying that they didn't want to be there, but they weren't allowed to leave. Says who just go. You don't need to be there. There there's a, I can't remember the exact theory, but there is a theory behind it. Um, So that night on July. Oh, I forgot to say um, mother Mary said that something big would happen on July 1st. Oh, okay. So this was June 30th that this all happened. Oh. And that night when July 1st hit, Annalise closed her eyes for the last time and passed away. She just and, died? Yeah. I mean, she was beat to hell. Um, oh. She was 23 years old. So it happened from 16 to 23. And that she was weighing girl. at only 68 pounds. Oh, no wonder she died. Yeah. Um, the family doctor came to examine her and by the looks of her body and her condition, he said that her death was not by natural causes, but by starvation and malnutrition. Yeah. Um, this case became known all around the world and, um, many in fact did not believe it was possible that she could be possessed, which that's really hard for people to believe anytime. Like that's, that's a, it's a, it's a big, scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it went under investigation. In 1978, the case was brought to court um, because they believed that her death could have been prevented. 
Um, the defense used eyewitnesses and audio recordings as proof of her possession, which is like the first time that's like ever happened. That's really sad for that, for her parents to have. I know. I I mean, even for the priest, they weren't doing, they weren't trying to do something wrong. Right. Um, so, um, father Rince and father Alt were sentenced to prison for negligent manslaughter for six months and um a three-year priest suspension which they dropped that yeah it's messed up um so i literally have one more sentence um so father rinse and alt were sentenced uh, for negligent manslaughter um for six months in jail and um, they had a three-year priest suspension which they dropped her parents um, were spared and any punishment of any punishment because they had suffered enough enough as defined by german law so that's the end but couldn't they just like ugh, those poor priests oh yeah went, poor priest i mean it was sucks. only six months but yeah they weren't they didn't actually have to be suspended for three years though that's yeah they were just doing their job that really sucks that's that's really crappy that they very sad there's a ton of so you guys if if you wanted to look up any videos on youtube or audio recordings there's a ton of different audio recordings on um you want to go outside the exorcism of annalise mikhail on the exorcism of Anna Elise Mikhail. Or you could probably look up the exorcism of Emily Rose, the real thing. Um, but they're, they're scary. They're terrifying because it's this 20 something year old girl belting out these voices that are not, not a little girl's voice. Oh, can you see? Why is everybody taking pictures of you? I'm famous, baby. Hey! Are you ready? Can you hear it? Briefly. You're so famous. Oh my god, I love you. Oh my god. She's so famous. It's Amy. Oh my Okay, so this is the story of the Chippendale murders. <laughs> yeah. No. So I am on Who stage. Who murder Chippendale? So <clears throat> this is the story of the Chippendale murders. All right. Ah, take it off, baby. Um, so some Soman Banerjee, which he later changed his name to Steve Banerjee. Okay. Yeah. Um, that makes a hundred percent sense. So much better. <laughs> when I was first reading this, Thank I was you, like, Soman and yeah, I was like, Banerjee. Banerjee. I was like, I'm not going to be able to say that name. And then Steve. <laughs> after i did all this research and stuff and then i watched a document the document a documentary on it i was like everyone kept calling him steve and i was like oh thank goodness (laughs) but also like you pick steve is it like your stage name 
Steve. Well, okay. And so next he was up is Steve. Watch him rip off his pants. My dad's name is Steve. My dad's so. name is Steve. Oh, that's right. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Okay. So Steve Banerjee founded Chippendales in 1979 in Los Angeles. Um, in an older interview, thank you, Steve. Let's just take a moment <laughs> of silence and thank Steve for this. Okay, all right. Oh. Thank you, Steve. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> In an older interview, he was asked if Chippendales was a fad. They're like, "Well, isn't it just like a fad?" And he's like, "I've never known for less to be a fad." Wow, wrong. He nope. ain't wrong. No, that was very ballsy of him to say that though. I know. <laughs> so um he what he grew up in he was born and raised in India and he grew up, moved to LA. He's like, I want that American life, y'all. Uh he taught himself English and worked as a janitor. And after borrowing money from a friend, he opened up a franchise of gas stations, um, Exxon gas stations. But uh, he wanted more. He needed more. He, his, I, I would like to ask you who you think his two, uh, role models were in life. Um, what, what, what year is this? Uh, 1979 is when he founded Chippendales. <clears throat> oh man. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with the guy who Marky Mark played in Boogie Nights and George Washington. 1979. I think Boogie Nights came out in the 70s, didn't it? George Washington? Yeah, George Washington was li- alive and dead by then. You okay. said role models, right? Yeah. A role model can be someone who's dead. Okay, I was just curious. I I, I, I was thinking like someone... Am I right? Is, is it George Washington? Oh my god. Yeah, how did you know? Him and Abraham Lincoln. Dude. Okay, so I got the first one right. <laughs> no (laughs) his two role models were Hugh Hefner and Walt Disney Mm, that's kind of steered the other direction yeah 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 (laughs) so (laughs) um but so those were his two big role models uh he wanted the fancy cars the big money um and the woman makes sense yeah I want all that yeah minus the woman uh, he purchased a nightclub and called it Destiny 2. Did you want to know if there was a Destiny 1? There wasn't. But <laughs> Destiny 2 what? Destiny the number 2 or Destiny? Like the number T-O. 2. But he wanted people to think like there is a Destiny 1 and there's. That like- is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is super. Okay. That is. That's a yeah. smart guy. That. Yeah. Bold move. Um. But it was kind of dumpy and not super popular. He did have to compete with a lot of other big clubs in LA. Um, So in order to try to get people to come in, he tried a bunch of different themed nights like cowboy night, magician night. Uh, He even had um, women's mud, mud wrestling 
which one of the former employees complained about. They're like, this is really dirty and awful. And we hate having to clean up after, after, which I can't, I can't not agree with. It sounds like fun though. It does sound like fun, but yes, it sounds like a terrible cleanup. I mean, he even had dance lessons. Like he was trying anything to get people to come. He would throw it at the wall and see if it stuck sort of thing. Um, but nothing really worked. So they did a rebranding and they brought, bought a bunch of knockoff Chippendale furniture in, which that's what he decided to name the club after, which is Chippendale and Chippendale furniture. Yeah. It's a furniture. It's a fancy high end furniture brand. And, but he didn't bring the, it was their old knockoffs, but he brought them. He wanted like this fancy club that people would be like, Ooh, swinky. Um, and that's when he met Paul Snyder. Paul was a club promoter and decided to, uh, suggested to Steve that he should have male strippers. But the only catch was that Paul was going to have to be the MC. Um, which an MC, I didn't know what an MC is. Do you know what an MC is? I wouldn't, I would guess that it'd be like the main guy. Yeah. The main guy, like the, uh, like the host. host. Yeah. Yeah. Had no idea. Like like Matthew McConaughey. Magic. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, they hit the beaches, the fitness clubs, the, the clubs, they went everywhere looking for these guys. And like would ask him, hey, do you want to strip at a club tonight? You'll get paid, like whatever you get paid. And so that's how they found most of their first strippers. In the first night, they had over 600 women show up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you found it, buddy. Yeah, it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously it was a the hot topic. St- <laughs> <laughs> you got to take that out. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, it was obviously a hot topic. The publicity instantly grew. They had stars show up. They had um, even frequent Playboy bunnies make appearances. Like everyone was coming to this place. Um, but Paul was an terrible MC. He like hardly ever interacted with the guests. He, uh, his jokes were like really cringy and awful. Like no one laughed at them, which I like, that sucks, dude. When no one, (laughs) like, I get that. I get that. Yeah. That's, that's me. Uh, so obviously, uh, Steve wanted to replace Paul, um, which ticked Paul off. And so Paul was also dating Dorothy Stratner who was at the time the hottest like the main big playboy bunny at the time and so and that's kind of how like they really banked on Paul dating Dorothy to get like all this publicity and stuff like that so it was yeah I mean she helped them like hey like we'll make an appearance at your club tonight and like it will bring in a lot of people so they didn't necessarily need her but having her definitely helped right 
Paul got dumped by Steve. And then he also got dumped by Dorothy because she left him for a film producer the same year. So Paul uh, obviously spiraled. Uh, He wasn't doing good. And he ended up shooting Dorothy in the face and then shooting himself. (gasps) Yeah. So super sad. Like we're getting right into it. Um, A while later, Steve met Nick Donahoy. Donahoy. Nick Donahoy. Probably saying that wrong. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Screw it. Don Jonna. Nick (laughs) Don Jonna. (laughs) That's how it looks like it's spelled. Um, It's, I think it's Donahoy. That's right. Yeah. Nick Donahoy. From New York, Nick was a producer for many things. One of them was Unicorn Tales, which is a children's cartoon. Have you seen it? I watched it yesterday. It's something. It's. Remember um, the unicorns on YouTube? Yeah. We're like. Charlie and the. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that a little. I want what are they called? Uh unicorn tails? Yeah. I'm unicorn going to tails. look them up tomorrow with Charlotte. I like watched like half of an episode or like a quarter of an episode. I was like, I feel like I should be on drugs right now. This. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's when they started. So he met him. He was a producer and he's like, Yeah, I'll help you out on this. So um nick started having them introduce themed shows into their routines like zorro uh the perfect male um construction workers that sort of thing like a man in a suit type of thing (laughs) um but nick uh would make the strippers also eat and act a certain way uh which would you would think is awful but they actually really appreciated it they found nick as like a uh like a father figure mentor a mentor they really looked up to him they really really liked him he was strict but in a good way in a respectful way i should say he meant good by it yeah yeah and they knew that they really liked him uh but unfortunately steve and nick constantly butt heads because they were not or because they were not good partners they butt heads because and they were not good partners um so they it it wasn't good because nick and steve were about to launch a new expansion in new york a new chippendales in new york and this one was supposed to be bigger and better uh and nick was supposed to be completely in charge of it uh, so it really it, that wasn't a good sign for them. Um, despite their arrival, the cl- club did open with a huge success. But they the show got constant bookings on talk shows. Like they were all over the place, um, literally everywhere on billboards, uh, on talk shows, on radio shows. They you couldn't turn your head without seeing something about Chippendales. Uh, Nick was making all sorts of decisions without Steve, though, which obviously ticked Steve off. 
because this was his baby. Uh, So Steve started to tighten the reins on Nick, which ticked Nick off. So one day they're in a cafe and Nick's like, listen, I want to be compensated properly for this. Like I'm doing all this work. You're hardly giving me anything. Like I don't have enough shares. I don't have enough decisions in this. And so he said, listen, if you're not going to pay me properly, can you at least let me have, can you at least let me take the show on the road as a tour and let me be completely in charge of it and get all the, and have all the rights to it. And Steve was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And they wrote this agreement out on a napkin in a cafe and they signed it. That's, that's uh smart. <laughs> I mean, it's official. It's written out and it's written signed. out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so in the agreement, it said on the napkin, it said in perpetuity. Good job. Thank you. Which after the meeting, after Nick left, Steve turned to one of his associates or one of his employees. And he's like, what does in perpetuity mean? And (laughs) the guy looked at him and he's like, it means forever and ever. So ultimately you should have read the agreement buddy and studied it you should have before just signing it you should have like known what this what you're assigning if you're if you're in something that deep you should take it to a lawyer and have them yeah review you should it. Have put it on a freaking napkin and just signed it yeah like yeah so that obviously ticked off steve um this and, dumb vault for not knowing what but he was still banking on that this wasn't going to work so obviously nick was making a killing off of this tour um because it was super successful and nick was laughing all the way to the bank um yeah so every year they released a chip and dell's calendar which was obviously a huge hit It was super easy money for Steve. He just had to hire the people, hire someone to put the calendar together. Boom, money made. And, you know, like calendars are like $20 a piece. So super easy money. Um, But it was like the deadline for it. He goes down to the printing press and he asked the guy at the front, like, can I see the final thing before you guys print it? And the guy at the desk was like, well, I'm the only one here. No one else is here. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So uh, Steve's like, well, I'm sure it's fine. Just go ahead and print it. So he prints it or they print it and he has it delivered and it was messed up. Like things like um, the month of February, they had 31 days which obviously February does not have 31 days. What? There's not <laughs> 31 days in February? I uh, hate to break it to you, but 30 whoever days you... past September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31. Yep. Except, Except for, for February. February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, May had 31 days instead of 30. Um, one of the, months... all the days of the week were so off because of this. Yeah. 
Well, and then, so like one of the months it had like, you know how it says the picture on top and the dates yeah. on the bottom. It was like yeah. both pictures instead. And the next month was like both calendars. It, it was so messed up. So that put him back $70,000, $700,000. Jeez. So he was mad. He was pissed. So, um, and it was a huge trigger for him, obviously, because he's all, all Steve cares about is money. Um, yeah. And it was easy money too. It was something super easy. Yeah. Uh, but he had to take out his anger on someone. So he just started taking it out on Nick because he hated Nick, hated Nick. Um, uh, Steve was, oh, sorry. Uh, so later Steve was still salty about the calendars and this napkin deal. Um, and so he was trying to recoup the money from the calendar. So he started to send men out on the road on his own, which according to their napkin deal, he wasn't supposed to do. He was not allowed to do that. And napkin deal says no, Steve. Yeah. Sorry. You got to listen to the napkin next time. Oh, and so Nick found out about this. And so he took him to court and, uh, they eventually he took him to court and sued him for it and nick actually ended up separating himself from chippendales but he was still collecting the money from the tour uh because it was forever and ever he was allowed to collect the money oh steve lost the deal in the in court obviously okay okay okay. um sorry about that and so of course he did yeah. So Nick separated himself, was still collecting money from the tour, but he also started his own exotic male dance tour. Hands. Whoa. <laughs> he just looked like I had hair, like a bunch of hair, like caught in my nails <laughs> firmly on. Ooh, I have fingers. Uh, so. Damon. Oh, yeah. So he. He started his own exotic dance tour and came out with his own calendar. Uh, He opened up an office in a building in New York and shared a space with a name, a woman named Robin Boris. And they became really good friends, but she could hear the arguments that she would, uh, Nick would have with Steve on the phone. And she was like, I don't know how you can deal with this guy. This guy seems awful. Um, one day, uh, Nick was supposed to meet with an associate in, uh, get together for a meeting for a potential client. And, uh, that associate ended up getting super sick and he's like, I gotta go home. And so she's like, well, I can sit in for you. She wasn't really part of the business, but she, Nick needed someone there as like extra ears to hear what was going on. So she decides to, they decide that she can sit in and, uh, the, his associate started to leave the building. This is on April 7th, 1987. He started to leave the building when he ran into this guy in the lobby and the guy was said, do you know where Nick Des Moines is? And his associate said, oh yeah, he's back there. Go ahead. Like go on. So he uh, the guy passes him, his associate starts going, leaving the building some more. And all of a sudden 
he hears gunshots and so he goes runs to see what's going on and he found nick slumped over in his office chair and will his associate called 911 um and so in the late that was in the late 80s early 90s or not it was in 1987 but in the late early late 80s early 90s the crime rate in new york was pretty high so they're like oh it's probably just a robbery but nothing was stolen and the person would have had to climb 15 floors just to take nothing so they're like it's not that's not what it was um during the investigation they wondered who would want to hurt nick and according to the research the investigators did they uh he did dabble with the mafia for protection so it seemed like the mob had uh had a cut in what nick was possibly making so they're like oh it was probably just the mob like he probably owed them money or something like that but everyone kept pointing the fingers at steve they're like looking to steve looking to steve it is steve like there's no doubt about it especially his friend uh she's like like they were constantly arguing so um the investigators look but nothing stuck uh, Steve then started to get full access and reins back to his entire business again after buying back the rights to the Turing platform because his business partner he hated is gone now. Makes sense, right? Right. So he started to really get sloppy about following rules and regulations when it came to his clubs. He felt invisible. Um, he would allow way more than was allowed into his clubs he was always it was always overcrowded but the more people in there the more money he made right he was making roughly thirty thousand dollars a night in his yeah oh my gosh and that's like that's not today's money that's man that's in the early 80s oh man we chose the wrong career (laughs) Um, so unfortunately though, he was facing a lot of violations for overcrowding, obviously. Um, that was just one of the violations I should say. Uh, he also had a long sheet of why he was being sued. A ton of people were always suing him. One of them was because he didn't allow black people in the club. This guy is just all over the place. Uh, something that he would do was after like he would they would have their own like the Chippendale they would have the Chippendale show but then afterwards they would open it up to everyone because only women were allowed during the Chippendale show and so after it was over they would open it up to everyone and so um what they would do was uh he would have two separate lines, one for white, one for black. So the black people had to go in a separate line. Um, so he segregated. Mm-hmm. And he told the. <laughs> wow. The, yeah. And he told the doorman to not let the people in the black line in. <sighs> I know. Wow. And this was in the 80s. Right. So. And in where was this? In L.A. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So a young think of do you think that place is like LA is like really like diverse? Well it's funny right? you say that, that. That's the right word for that, right? Like yeah. melting pot. 
Yeah. It's funny you say that because a young black student, Don Gibson, felt the same way. He was like, I can't believe this is happening in my own neighborhood. Um, Don decided to test this theory out. Um, He met up with two of his friends and he actually dressed nicer than them. Um, They went to the club and he stood in the black line and they stood in the white line because they were white. His two friends got stamps and were able to go inside. And when it was his turn, the guy said, well, no, you need the doorman said, no, you need a membership. And he said, well, where do I get a membership? And he didn't answer. And so his two friends came back out and he was like, well, my two friends got stamps and the doorman said, well, they have memberships. No, they don't. Yeah. They're like, no, we don't. Don said that the doorman's mouth just dropped and they're like, you'll be hearing some more from us. And they walked away. Um, after that, Don decided to file a complaint. And of course, Chippendales denied the accusations, but the state was like, maybe we should look into this some more. Uh, so then Don received a call from an employee at a rental car agency. And the employee said that they found paperwork with Don's information on it. Um, It ended up being a log of all of Don's movement. So a private investigator was hired. Yeah. Don, the the law student that filed the complaint. Gotcha. Okay. For surrogation. We're on the right. Yep. Yeah. Segregation. Yep. Uh, So a a private investigator was following him around, which this didn't come to surprise anyone that knew Steve because they're like, yeah, uh, when Steve runs into a problem and if someone's causing him that problem, he just likes to make people disappear. Oh, I see. I see. Yes. So Steve hired the private investigator to follow Don. Follow Don. Because Don was. Gotcha. Yeah, he he uh, causing just- trouble. Yeah, he was causing problem. Yeah. Uh, So according to one of the only black male stripper for Chippendales told, called Don and told him Steve had plans to have a sex worker pick up Don and plant drugs on him. Then blackmail Don into changing his story to clear Chippendales. And he told Don, dude, your life is in danger. So, uh, that didn't really seem to scare Don. I mean, obviously he was scared, but he's like, that's not going to stop me. So Don still, yeah, Don still filed a class action lawsuit. Um, but Chippendales ended up settling outside of court for $85,000 in damages and committing to hire more black employees. You think that happened? No, of course it Chip, didn't. Chippendale's behavior didn't change, and they were super awful at following regulations. Finally, the California Department of Alcohol Beverages Control finally revoked their liquor license for the LA Club. They're like, if you're not going to listen to our simple regulations of how many people are allowed in your club at a time, you don't you don't get to sell alcohol anymore. Yeah, that's what Here happens. You. Yep. So. uh in 1988, the LA club was shut down. He still had his California club though. I'm sorry. This one just like, I was, I walked at this point, I was watching the documentary 
to get this information and I just hated it so much. Uh, (laughs) Steve started a Chippendales musical. (laughs) (laughs) I would see it. I I don't like musicals, but, uh, I, I would go see that. Could you imagine just like <laughs> these men like trying to be like sexy and they're like pointing their toes, jumping and doing like purees. Um, Tom, why can't I think of his last name? Spider-Man already did it under my umbrella. Uh, he did the Rihanna thing. Yeah, but this. <laughs> he He's younger than me, but you know, Mm-mm. he's a very pretty man. Yes, but no, I hate it. I hate it so much (laughs) because they're not like trying to be cute or anything. They're trying to be like, ooh, sexy. The hills are alive (laughs) with the sound of my genitals. (laughs) Sorry, you cut that part out. (sighs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he started that in London. He started at a musical of Chippendales in London, and it was fully booked for three full weeks. So they're like, let's take it on the road throughout Europe, Um, which I hate that it was so successful. I would still go see it. He's a terrible person, but I probably would see it. If there was a Chippendales musical or a Magic Mike musical, I'm just saying, you can count me in. It's an experience. It is an experience. That's what it's called. An experience. It is an experience. It might not be good, but, but it's, it's an probably experience. not going to be good, but it's going to be an experience. <laughs> I and just, there's always alcohol. That's true. I just picture <laughs> them like calico cats, whatever the, the cat. <laughs> I can't think of the song right now. I don't Anyways. know the song either. I don't like musicals. Ugh, hate it. So took their tour to Europe. Oh yeah. Here we are. Okay. So But with big business, you get copycat. One of them was called the Adonis, which was put together by former Chippendale dancers. And in 1991, they booked a hotel to perform in Blackpool, London, which Blackpool, London is kind of like, what is that one over on the East Coast? Like Atlantis. Is it Atlantis? Not Atlantis. Yeah, Atlantic City. Atlantic (laughs) City. It's a lot like Atlantic City. uh, Very resorty casinos yeah um and reed scott was about to take stage he was like their mc and he started his bit with the um when the production producer told him to get off the stage and come with him he's like what the heck like i'm busy but they're like no come with us right now so he gets off the stage and he finds the entire uh set like all the members of Adonis like lined up just like kind of like huddled together um and a set of detectives told them to that they got a call from someone that was wanting to kill them with cyanide poisoning injections you would think that you would like cancel but they're like the show must go on so they continue their tour And some dancers uh, would sleep with knives under their beds or pillows, keep the lights on, like put stuff in front of the doors type of thing to make sure that no one was breaking into their hotels at night. The tip that the FBI got from 
was an informant for the FBI. He was hired by someone to go to Blackpool with cyanide to kill three of the of the Adonis dancers. Um, and that someone was Ray Collins. Ray was from the mob. Nick, remember? Nick was part mm-hmm. of Mm-hmm. So how does Ray fit into this story and why does he want to kill a bunch of people or male strippers? Uh, Well, he was also Steve's go-to guy. I mean, Ray was a one-stop shop. If if Steve wanted cheap speakers or uh, sound equipment, if he wanted a van, if he wanted anything, he would go to Ray for, Mm -hmm. including murder. So, including murder. Let's just add that to the including murder. <laughs> oh, you see here on my on my menu. <laughs> Is that murder? Oh, I'd take that one. Yeah. I'll take, How much I'll for take, the murder? I'll take two of those. <laughs> Are you guys running a special? Uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so on July 25th, 1991, the FBI agents raided Ray's house. Um, they and they they literally found a bag with hand drawn skull with crossbones on it. <laughs> I wonder what this could be. Oh. <laughs> um, and it was full of cyanide. Not the universal sign for poison. <laughs> um, it contained forty milliliters of cyanide, which was enough to kill two hundred and thirty people. Holy mac! So. Ray was arrested. Uh, after about seven months in jail, he finally agreed to work with the FBI and spill the tea. Uh, he told them all about Steve's plan for the Adonis group and even told them about Nick Denoya's murder. Uh, uh, he said that Steve Benergy, Benergy, now I forgot how to pronounce his. He said Steve hired someone to kill Nick, um, his old partner. Ray didn't murder Nick, but he was the middleman. And Ray hired a man named Riviera Lopez to do the D, which Steve and Ray used for code for Nick's murder. So something that they don't really do is like to release murderers from jail, but they did. They released Ray from jail as to be an undercover informant. Uh, Ray had attempted to get a hold of Steve to confess the murders uh, multiple times. One time was in an IHOP and Steve was only writing his answers on a sticky note and like showing showing uh, Ray his answers and then ripping them up and putting them in the toilet. Um. Because he was so paranoid that right the FBI was listening. I mean, it's kind of kind of sketchy that he just got released from prison for murdering someone. So yeah, and that was something that the <clears throat> FBI was like, okay, maybe he's he's like figuring this out. So uh, the FBI flew Ray out to Europe to act as if he was a fugitive of the law and um, you know running away from the FBI, right? Uh, and to meet with Steve and after several drinks, like they just, Steve disguised himself and everything like that. And, uh, 
after several drinks and hours of talking, like literally hours and hours of talking, Steve finally started talking about the murders. He asked if the FBI knows about the D. Um, and he also asked, do they know I gave you money for the gun? Which this was enough to arrest Steve. And with eight charges against him, he was facing life in prison and was obviously denied bail. Um, because in that conversation, he talked to Ray about how he wanted to leave and go back to India, like flee the country and go back to India. Um, so he was facing basically life in prison. Um, but he did take a plea deal for murder and he was going to serve 26 years in prison and give up his shares to Chippendales and literally everyone everyone wanted to see this guy go to prison they showed up to his sentencing hearing they waited for a good while before someone finally showed up to tell them that there wasn't going to be a hearing that day and it turns out he had committed suicide in his jail cell the night or the early morning gilbert lopez riviera was sentenced to 25 years in prison and ray served two years just the fact that he committed suicide just yeah i kind of just rolled right into cowardly Yeah, very cowardly. That also allowed his family to keep the rights to Chippendales. The agreement was that he would give it up, but he never was actually sentenced to jail. So he didn't have to give it up yet. I see. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. I see. Well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. Since Steve's death, though, it has been sold a few times to different owners and it currently resides in Rio Hotel in Las Vegas and is considered the ultimate bachelorette party destination. And that is the very, I know it was long, but very short story of the chip. And there is so, so much more, so many more murders, so many other sketchy deals that went on. And I mean, money's problems. Money causes so many problems. Yeah. yeah. I could probably do a whole series on this, but I was just like, Chippendales murder, just Chippendales, <laughs> sketchy business deals. And that's crazy. Murders. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They're, I mean, they're, they're a little sketch. Yeah. But <laughs> so, anyways, do you have a. What is it called? A uh, neighborhood. A neighborhood. A dash story. of neighborhood drama. I want to hear some drama. Um, I, I just gave a really you a bunch of drama, one. though. You did give me a bit of bunch of drama. <laughs> I found it a really short one. Um, Good. It says, uh, "So I come home from work, and my wife says the neighbor from the lower floor brought us your underwear." What? <laughs> They were blown away by the wind and landed on her balcony. What an awkward situation. That's so awkward. <laughs> and then she takes a final shot. How does the neighbor know that these are your underwear? <gasps> and he says, I don't remember my answer, but since 15 years have now passed, we haven't divorced yet. I think I gave the right one. So that's it. Just a short <laughs> little... <laughs> <laughs> how do they know they were your underwear maybe they've seen them go outside and check the mail in your underwear 
I don't know. Guys are a lot more. It's so it's more appropriate for guys to walk around in the in their underwear than it is for women. So yeah, and I mean if if they were above and the neighbors like, well, the person above me is they're lesbians, and the person above that is a single mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, clearly they're yours. Maybe just narrowed it down. Or, I'm gonna believe that the guy didn't cheat. So, yeah, that's not something you would want to brag about if you were cheating, right? So, oh, geez, it's pretty I weird. I don't know where our green sheet went. I think oh. Leon's on top of it. Oh no, I did okay. find it. He is on top of it. Oh well, I would you like to read it? <laughs> it's okay, you want to read them all? Okay, well, all right, family. I can read the. Oh, no, go ahead. You go ahead. Never mind. Are you sure? Yep. You can just do what you do and I'll fill it in. Okay. Okay. All right, neighbors, we're going to sign off here. We're literally like on every single streaming platform that I can think of. Can't find us. Google it because we're there. We are there. We're on Google. We are on Google Podcasts. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Follow us. On all social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are all at WWTN Podcast. Or you can just search What's With The Neighbors, but WWTN Podcast is a lot shorter. So Yeah, and we have a Facebook group. I don't think we've yep. ever talked about it. Oh, yeah. We have a VIP Facebook group, guys, where Join we it. post uh, daily information regarding the podcast. Um, tons of little fun little posts about uh paranormal true crime neighborhood stories um latest news information and even you can you can even interact with us guys like who wouldn't want to interact with us come on like let's let's play a game let's play a game (laughs) (laughs) uh uh, our website what's with the neighbors.com you can find like all of the information on there yep um, where to listen to us where to contact yeah. us and it has a link to our patreon which is patreon.com forward slash yep. forward slash what's with the neighbors also on our web sorry i interrupt You're you fine. um also on our website you can find all the sources that we use for each of our episodes um except for like episode one through three so, yeah but that's good. it's fine it's fine yeah it's fine oh yeah our patreon uh five dollars a month gets you access to videos that we don't share with anyone else uh are unedited and um, early access oh yeah and early access early Two access days. and unedited uh video of our uh recording and we want to do a ton of other other stuff so please 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 five dollars a month that's all yep. you gotta do and five. it also helps us a ton oh yeah Absolutely. We want better equipment and, um, and it it goes straight back into the podcast. So we want to take our podcast further. We want to be bigger. Yeah. We want to be better. Feel free to slide into our DMS. If you want to send any, uh, any personal paranormal true crime or neighborhood stories or even just tell us how your day is um you can email us at uh wwtnpodcast at gmail.com what's with the neighbors 
What is with the neighbors? Why'd you look at me like that? Because you said it wrong. <laughs> What's oh oh have you I checked did it out last neighbors? week too? <laughs> no, you did you did it right last week. <laughs> it was the week before. <laughs> have you checked in on your neighbors lately? Have, What's with the neighbors? The, have you checked in on the neighbors? <laughs> What's with the neighbors? <laughs> um, so Dude, Amy. Oh, how do you hang up? Oh, there you go. What's with the neighbors?